Oregon is a 24 and a half point favorite against the California Golden Bears. Can Cal even keep it close in Autzen Stadium? We'll answer that question today and a lot more on today's Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. It can be difficult to find people who cover the California Golden Bears. I assure you, they do, however, exist. I've got one of them here with me today. His name is Thomas Dunn. He writes for California at writeforcalifornia.com, covering the Bears, rocking an old school, I believe what should have been a Deshaun Jackson jersey. This was the pre-NIL era, of course, Thomas, but I respect the history and tradition in the last time Oregon and Cal will meet for, I don't know, ever, maybe? Yeah, a lot, a lot of history uh, going to the wayside here with the departure of the Ducks next season. You know, the Deshaun Jackson jersey, you can't hate on these threads. Mid-2000 mm. Cal was a cinematic experience that uh, Cal fans only wish that they could get back. And yeah. for those uh, fans will be tu- tuning in Saturday, it'll be my first time at Austin Stadium. By the time you guys are hearing this, I'll be en route to Portland and eventually for the two-hour drive down to Austin Stadium. So I'm really excited and uh, know the things are not looking like they're going to go the Bears' way, but that's why they play the game. That, that is indeed why they play the game. Michigan played Appalachian State. USC played Stanford. That was all pre-2010. Thomas is trying to generate the uh, pre-2010 vibes with, with the jersey, which I respect. I remember those jerseys came, or similar ones perhaps, I think the white versions, to Autzen in 2009, ranked number six. It didn't go very well for the California Golden Bears. Final score, all. if I remember correctly, was the same score we've seen twice, almost three times, this season for the Ducks, forty-two to six, kind of in that uh, in in that sort of range. Does it feel to you, Thomas, like we're just destined to have that sort of game? Oregon as a big favorite at home, rolling right now as the highest-ranked one-loss team in the country. I mean, Cal's honestly—they've ran ran into several buzz saws this year. Whether it's the ground and pound of Utah, whether it's been the renowned Ducks, even with their loss over in Montlake, and even the Washington Huskies before they took their small dive in the midpoint of their season, Cal's been facing pretty much every team at their best, aside from Utah and, well, really USC too, but that's a whole nother discussion. But this weekend, Bo Nix, that Tosh Lapoy led defense, it all looks like a terror. Because when you go into Rice Eccles Stadium and you not only beat the Utah Utes, but you beat them down at a game that they're supposed to beat you down with just mercilessly ground and pound for 60 minutes and you go and do that. Yeah, I'm afraid. But do I expect a Justin Wilcox team to just sit down and lay by the side and do nothing about it? No. Do I think they're going to win? Whole nother discussion, but we'll definitely get to that. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think winning is in the cards here for Cal, but I I think the question that we're trying to answer is can they hang around? Cause I mean, everything about this game, the point spread, the teams, the players, coaches, the way they've been playing, the way everything has gone. Everything points to Oregon wins big. And we'll get to predictions later in the show. I, I, I think Oregon is going to probably win big. If Cal is able to at least make the Ducks uncomfortable for a half, Thomas, that's going to look like what? 
it's going to look like a repeat of the 2019 Cal Oregon game from Autzen Stadium. A lot of that game probably forgotten in a lot of Ducks fans' minds, but it was just Cal being an irritant for several quarters and really the whole game. No Chase Garbers for Cal in that matchup. Justin Herbert lining up under center for the Ducks and Cal having at least, I believe it was three total turnovers and route to a 17 to seven loss, but a seven nothing halftime lead for the Bears. If they want more of the same, they kind of have to hope the weather acts up for a little bit of a storyline. They have to hope that the Eugene weather forecast stays as is. I know it's gone from a lot of expected rain to somewhat expected rain. And within that, we don't really know the measurements. I think Cal's going to need a little bit of that to fall in their favor. Again, they're going to need Oregon not to really execute on third down. And Cal, for you know everyone saying, oh, my God, that Justin Wilcox-led team, their defense has to be the strength. It hasn't been the strength this year. But they somehow have to find a way to corral the big play and get Oregon off the field. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be probably another unassisted 50-burger like they gave up to Oregon State just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's interesting. This Cal team is the inverse of what we have come to know Justin Wilcox-led Cal teams to be. And this is his seventh season at the helm. Yeah. I think he's been there for quite some time. Now, one of those, those years was the COVID season, of course. And, it, you know, and by the way, Cal beat Oregon that year, and the Ducks were a favorite down uh, in in Berkeley led in that game and then they came back but this Cal team this season Thomas I thought the Bears made a great offseason hire at offensive coordinator with Jake Spavadol he's been fantastic they have put up 49 or more points twice they had not done so on any such occasion prior in the Justin Wilcox era they put up 50 what was it 58 against North Texas that was the first time they hit 50 since Wilcox took over they scored 49 against USC USC they scored 40 against the Bees offense hasn't been the problem now it's the defense that is the problem and for the last three or four years it's the exact opposite you 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 referenced 2019 Oregon fans probably don't remember that game I barely remember that game Travis Dye had two fumbles Herbert threw a pick the offense was just sluggish and terrible in the first half and that great defense Oregon had ultimately ended up winning the game against a backup quarterback. It was a forgetful win for the Ducks, but it was still a win. I, I, I don't even think the weather can help Cal here because that tends to lean towards, you know, well, you got to run the football. Well, Cal hasn't stopped anybody on the ground or through the air and Oregon can move it however they want. Yeah. I mean, having Jackson powers, Johnson, lining up right there leading a bevy of machine of a machine really for that offensive line at Oregon at Oregon it's scary Bucky Irving scary Jordan James scary Patrick Herbert leaking out scary it's all scary there's not anything I can really say that leans in Cal's direction per se I thought the secondary would be a strength this year it hasn't I would think okay other than Troy Franklin who's really gonna is Trayshawn holding gonna step up yeah I think he will the Cal secondary hasn't given me the benefit of the doubt to think that they're going to perform otherwise. Getting in Patrick Morris as a transfer safety from San Diego State, a code Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year a few seasons ago, and he hasn't really stepped up to the plate. Noel Williams has been fine, but going up against Troy Franklin, that's a big ask. Lumaje Hearns has had a regression from just about everywhere ever since his freshman year in 2021, and Jeremiah Irby is currently in his somewhat of a sophomore slump. So the Cal secondary, they're not really giving me anything to work with here, and knowing that the Cal front seven is pretty beat up, Oregon may just have their way and it's really on them whether they show up because I do expect a little bit of an emotional letdown for the first quarter at least. But other than that, I expect the Ducks to be on their way. And if Cal's going to really, really, really contend here, they're going to need more than more than a few things to go their way. Otherwise, it could be another uh, Ducks barn burner in Autzen. Yeah, we, we, we saw a little bit of a slow start 
against Washington State. Oregon trailed that game 10-3 to early in the second quarter. And then once they turned it on, ultimately went on a, a 35-6 to run in the game to lead 38-16. to And the game was over by the time the fourth quarter wound down. I, I think the weather could help Cal generate that sort of start or that sort of game where they keep it within relative striking distance because maybe Oregon can't be quite as explosive. I, I mean, I don't think anything will ever compare to the 2013 monsoon game oh, that, the Jared uh, Goff game oh that I was at. I, I, so I was at, I was at that game and I, I remember going in, in my golf rain gear cause it's the best waterproof rain gear you're going to find pretty much. And it was completely soaked through by the end. We have an adage at Autzen Stadium, Thomas, you may know, that goes something like this. It never rains at Autzen Stadium. It might not rain, but it monsoons every now and then. And I, I think the weather could work in Cal's favor, but then, you know, it limits Cal's offense as well. And I think Oregon is stronger on both sides of the ball. So we'll, we'll talk about those sorts of matchups and the players that, that we've got to watch there. If you want to get a ticket to go to this game, then game time is the place to go. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you are arrive if you buy a ticket to this week's game against cal then you are probably going to see from any seat that oregon should be able to put up a lot of points as we're about to talk about take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account use code locked on college for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-c-o-l-l-e-g-e that's locked on college for 20 dollars off Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get into the matchups, the keys, and everything like that, Thomas. Let's start with Cal's defense. They have to play better than they have the last three weeks. 45.3 points per game over their last three losses to Oregon State, Utah, and USC. And I think among those three, only USC is a top three or four offense in the conference overall. I think Oregon State's is good. I don't think it's great. With DJU back there, we've seen them have much less successful outings against other teams in the conference. So what 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 exactly is wrong with this Cal defense? What do they need to fix? Uh, to put it bluntly, it's been nothing short of an unmitigated disaster throughout conference play for the Cal defense. They registered their first sacks of conference play last week against USC. Not great. Yeah, yeah Not no, great. conference play started in September. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure Oregon fans are used to Brandon Dorless, Mateo Uyanga, like be just being in the backfield with no one's business. Cal fans were struggling to find any sort of wherewithal with the Cal defense and where it went. 
the pressure was bad. The front seven wasn't performing. Jackson Sermon went down with a season-ending injury. The secondary not covering receivers, even when Oregon State was like running play actions against them, and Silas Bolden and Anthony Gould were running free everywhere. It's been nothing short of just a, a disaster. And even though Brett Johnson's back, and I have to cut him some slack here personally, he hasn't been all the way back, all the way there yet. And that's okay. That's something I'm willing to accept. But it's the players around him. It's the Miles Jernigans. It's the Caleb Alarms or who guys who just need to continue continually step up because Cal defense, some players are dropping like flies. Some position groups are getting really thin, and especially along the defensive line. And going into a game like this, that's not the type of phrase you want to be hearing. Yeah, their defense has really been regressing each of the last two seasons. You know, it was pretty solid in 2021, and you had the same problem that Justin Wilcox has had, which is the offense isn't good enough. It's stale, outdated, not explosive. And then in 2022, defense takes a step back, offense still not very good. They make the offensive coordinator change. And instead of the defense taking a step forward, which is what I kind of thought it would do this year, just given Wilcox's track record down there in Berkeley, it has taken yet another step back and is towards the bottom of the conference in a number of statistical areas. And they've just been getting shredded. And it hasn't just been you know, one-sided. Like you talked about their inability to get pressure. They've been hurt on the ground. They've been hurt through the air. They're not pressuring the quarterback. N nothing feels like it's going right. And then the injuries, Jackson Sermon is their best defensive player coming in. He's an all-conference guy that goes down and it hit, it's his fifth year of college football. So it's a bummer to see him not be able to play. So who steps up in his absence? And do you have any confidence at all that Cal's defense without their best player, their middle linebacker, is going to have any sort of success stopping the Oregon run game. So there's one guy who has been stepping up in recent weeks, and this is sort of an answer in a vacuum, because when you look at the grand scheme of things, things obviously the Cal defense is not that su being successful in any respect whatsoever. But if you even look at like Hislow Day over on Addicted to Quack, I love when he goes through things. Cade Uluave, the guy who's been stepping up in place of Jackson Sermon alongside Caleb Alarmzor, has been absolutely phenomenal in a few short weeks, a true freshman stepping in someone who's bounced in between going from offense to defense, just because of the rash of injuries during practices from week to week, he stepped up in a big way from the second half against Oregon state to the game against Utah. And even against USC forced to fumble on Caleb Williams was helping plug gaps against Utah, even though the game was getting out of hand, he's been showing plays in the plays in a vacuum. And I believe Cal fans have found a good linebacker duo for the years to come. Now, in the grand scheme of things for this weekend at Oregon, obviously the Ducks, the Ducks fans are probably not going to see much of what we're seeing because just because they're pr probably going to assert their will and probably unapologetically at that. And that's just kind of how the Dan Landing teams have been operating. We're going to get more physical. We're going to get down. We're going to get dirty. We're going to impose our will and we're going to dare you to do something about it. And only a few teams have been able to rise to that occasion against that. So Kate Uluwabe is definitely the guy to watch. And I think he's going to make a few plays against the Oregon offense. Is it going to be enough to be a meaningful difference in the game? Probably not. But I think that's where Cal fans are looking in terms of development because if he develops as fast as he has been, we're going to have another deadly linebacker duo in the in the vein of Evan Weaver and Jordan Kanashik. This is going to be a dangerous linebacker duo either next year or the season after. But Kate Uluave, true freshman, inside linebacker, that's the player to watch because this is a big test for him. He's gone through several different tests with Utah, with Oregon State, those physical teams, with the spread attack of USC. And now a bit of both with Oregon. So I'm intrigued to see how he steps up to the plate. Let, let's flip sides of, of the ball here and, and talk about Cal's offense. I, I over on Locked on Pac-12 was, you know, semi-jokingly bullish on the California Golden Bears, as bullish as you can be on, 
you know, a team with a preseason win total of four and a half. It later got bumped up to a five and a half and such. But, you know, they're projected before the year to be kind of a middling to bottom tier team in the Pac-12, which is what they've been like. They're, they're not incompetent. They're not a disaster or anything like that. They're not getting blown out. I mean, Cal hasn't lost a game by more than, uh, you know, aside from Washington, more than 12 points this year. Am I right? Uh, they lost to Utah 34-14. Okay, okay. So they did okay. No, so they did a, they did have a second one in there. But like you look at the way they played against Auburn, SEC team, highly competitive game. You look at the way they if Fernando Mendoza had been playing at that point in time, heck, it might have been a different outcome. You look at the way they played against USC and Oregon State. They're competitive in these games. They beat ASU and ASU is a scrappy team and they were able to knock them off at, at home. But Mendoza is the third quarterback they've tried. It was Sam Jackson, the transfer from TCU. He's not refined enough. Ben Finley, not dynamic enough. Mendoza is kind of in between those two, and they have a very RPO-heavy attack. And Mendoza, from what I see, executes it very well. And the key for them offensively is they have to be able to run the football. But if they can do that, they've got enough to be productive on offense. Fernando Mendoza is a dude. Just period. Cal fans, Just as we all thought people would be saying before the yep. year, everybody was absolutely. sleeping on Cal's third string quarterback. Absolutely, just as we drew it up. But it, it makes you wonder, had Fernando Mendoza started the season, just how far along Cal would be. I feel like they would have definitely flipped the Auburn game. I, I would have probably, well, I don't know that you can really flip the USC game because he actually played in it. But Fernando Mendoza, by far, the most poised quarterback that Cal's had this season. By far the most direct and confident in his reads. And by far the most the best executor. Fernando Mendoza has been everyone. No one thinks of Mendoza as this like freak athlete who's going to get you a hundred rushing yards on the ground. But when he pulls the ball, he'll go. He's confident. He's not going to wither away and slide down two yards before the first down. He's going to go and get, try and get that first down. Had a fourth and six against USC ran for the first down. Fernando Mendoza is willing to put his body on the line. He's willing to make some throws in tight windows. He's willing to eat some pressure. If it means making a play and overall, he's one of the best people to be around. When I'm sitting in press conferences talking to Fernando Mendoza, I could sit there all day. Fernando Mendoza is a guy that Cal fans have aligned themselves with because he he's someone who embodies the university well. He's someone who represents the team well. And as he's come along compared to the rest of the quarterbacks this year, he's been the best of them. And Cal fans are fully behind him no matter what happens. He's played well against Oregon State. He played for a freshman, played well enough in Rice-Eccles. Against USC, went toe-to-toe in a duel with Caleb Williams. And this week has another great test against Bo Nix. So Cal fans, nothing but good things to say about Fernando Mendoza. And we feel like we have a quarterback. And that's not been easy to say these past few seasons. But proving, hopefully the defense comes around enough to the point where having Fernando Mendoza under center means Cal can go eight and four. In that world, in the ACC next year, Fernando Mendoza under center, we feel like we got a shot. And he's it's been a breath of fresh air. The, The ACC is not that good. After the top few teams... And, and really in general, you know, I, I, think, I think Florida State's good. But after that, you know, Miami, North Carolina, good, not great. They're, they're, they're not great. In North Carolina next year without Drake May, they'll take a step back uh, in, in a big way. And, you know, I, I'd expect Wilcox to still be the head coach regardless of how this season goes. Just because when you're going into a new conference, I don't think you want to undergo a coaching change as that is uh, taking place. And I expect Cal to, to lose to Oregon on Saturday, certainly, but then to pick up at least one more win, if not two, uh, as as they come down the stretch. Stanford is a winnable game. Washington State and UCLA, frankly, I, I think they're capable 
of winning all three of those games, I think the best reasonable outcome is uh, is, is they probably win too. But we, we have talked about the Cal offense and Mendoza, and he's been really, really good uh, for them and has solidified the quarterback position. We haven't talked about Cal's most important offensive player, and and that is Jay Knott. Odd is the sort of guy you can you know select higher or lower on over at Prize Picks, which is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, it's just you against the numbers. That's it. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, you could take LeBron and Travis Kelsey over 10 and a half combined three pointers and receptions. Those are the sorts of awesome and amazing things you can put together at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's talk about Jaden Ott Thomas. And first, the question is he healthy? Cal's running back, who has been a driving force for their offense the last two seasons, he's a stud. One time Oregon verbal commit, really good player, was a four star recruit and looks like it. Is he healthy? Jaden Ott has been beat up this year. And not anything of his own doing, really. He had the, for those Oregon fans who were watching in the late 2000s, he had a Javid Best-esque moment against Auburn. And There's a good throwback name right there. Javid Best. Yeah. I the, A lot of Pac-10 teams don't remember just how much Javid Best terrorized them. But Oh, I remember. I, re, I remember. I mean, you know, Oregon was beating Cal, but like, I remember. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, let's just, let's fit my narrative, you know. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, Jay not, uh, attempted to hurdle an Auburn defender and just basically got uh, catapulted out of the air and was concussed uh, this past weekend against USC for how bad USC is at pretty much everything on defense. The one thing that their linebackers like to do is shoot some gaps and make some hits. They can hit people. And that's kind of what happened when Cal was on the goal line. I believe it was second and goal at the one Jay not, I believe got in the end zone, but was took an absolute shot from, I believe it was Eric Gentry and was, I believe mm-hmm. concussed. Well, the speculation on my part is a concussion because he was not allowed to go back into the game. And Justin Wilcox said he was not, quote, he was not allowed to go back in, then backtracked and said he couldn't go back in. So that reads to me concussion protocol, something in that vein, yep. upper like neck concussion style injury. Jade Knott, for what it's worth, was on the Cal football press conference banner this past Wednesday as for a media request. So inevitably he was healthy enough to take that. Same thing happened during Auburn week when we didn't really know, or the next week rather, against Idaho when we didn't really know if he was going to play. And then he didn't, he did not end up playing. So Jade Knott, I would say, is questionable entering this game. And if you had to make me put a designation on it, I would say something in the vein of, of a concussion. And that would be probably be his second one this season if that is the case and be something I'd be concerned about. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's strictly a 50 50 in terms of whether he can go on Saturday. He, did, he took a pretty nasty hit, and for him not to be able to come back in that fourth quarter in a game of that magnitude against USC, I think it spoke volumes to the precautions that the Cal medical staff is taking, and rightfully so, because concussions are a big part of the game. So, you know, it, it sounds like it's kind of 50-50, but him being made available for a media request, 
typically that doesn't happen with a player that's not going to play. Right. That, that, like, that, yeah. that That's the way that comes off to me is I don't know why you'd put a guy out there like that unless you're trying to do a big misdirection. Maybe. I don't know that Cal can really play those cards or has the luxury <laughs> to play those cards. Yeah. But the part that's almost worse about this is the fact that his backup, Isaiah Ifonse, was also injured against USC, left the game on a cart, came back on a crutch, was listed as day-to-day by Justin Wilcox. I don't buy that. I, I don't think he's has a chance to play in this game. And then that means you go to your third-string running back, Ashton Shreddick, who was recently doghouse for a fumble against USC after fumbling against Oregon State. So he might not even get the start if Ott doesn't play. It might be a mix of Justin Williams-Thomas, the Tennessee transfer, who got his first carries of the season against USC, and the freshman Javian Thomas from Oakland, who's impressed but is not not big enough nor physical enough to, I think, be an every-down back yet. So we might, you might be – Ducks fans will be getting familiar with the Cal fourth and fifth string running backs if Jade Knott can't go Saturday. So it's a smorgasbord of injuries for Cal. Fernando Mendoza, he's going to have a, a lot to work with because the Cal running game really suffered once we got to Justin Williams-Thomas and Javian Thomas as the backfield. And that's not to say they're not capable backs, but there just wasn't as many – holes and there weren't as many explosive plays that were happening and that was behind an offensive line that was creating holes and i know some people will say well that's not saying a lot when you're playing usc but the cal offensive line i would say has been leaps and bounds better than last year it couldn't be worse than last year but they've been leaps and bounds better offensive line coach mike blesh has been a godsend cal running game has been really good and they're going to need it saturday if they even hope to have a chance yeah and i, I think they have to have jay not as well he, he's a guy who can make people miss who is explosive he he's the total package he, he can catch the ball out of the backfield he'll pass block run between the tackles outside the tackles he's physical uh i i think he's he's been really 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 good if he can't go that's a pretty significant loss the, the other name oregon fans should be aware of going into this game offensively is jeremiah hunter that that's a really good wide receiver um i you know loved their tandem last year when they still had j michael sturdivant i was bummed for cal when they left or when he left. And I thought it was a great pickup for UCLA and it has been for, for that Bruins offense limited in the passing game, though it has been uh, down there for, for our old friendship, Kelly. But I, I think that Jeremiah Hunter is probably one of the more underrated receivers in, in the PAC 12, big physical, good hands, contested catch, explosive plays. He, he's a guy who really you know brings the whole, the whole package to the table. He's a true number one receiver. Yeah, he is. J- Jeremiah Hunter in recent weeks, he hasn't really gotten the volume per se from Fernando Mendoza. And I think that comes with chemistry style. I don't want to say issues, but just chemistry style learning. I think another receiver that's been underrated, he's a preferred walk-on who's broken into the rotation and taken the reins really as one of a one of the reliable targets for Fernando Mendoza among other quarterbacks is Tron Grizel. And I think the only thing that he really needs to work on is gaining separation consistently. And I think Oregon will be a tough matchup for him. But Jeremiah Hunter and Tron Grizel, I think they're a really good duo. They're a duo that's really complimented each of these quarterbacks with back shoulder throws, being like lanky receivers, and in Hunter's case, being a really physical receiver. If you had to ask me whether Jeremiah Hunter is going to play on Sundays, I think he can. I think he'd be a late-round draft steal. I think he'll make an NFL team happy. He's a hard worker, someone who wears his heart on his chest and gives it everything he's got. And I know last week against USC, he had a very, very rough punt return that I'm, I will say cost Cal the game and caused all the men to swing to USC. But I do believe... Jeremiah Hunter has it in him to rebound and have a good day against the Oregon secondary, even if Evan Williams terrifies me. <laughs> well, you know, Evan Williams has been really good blitzing and run support this year in coverage. I think he's been a, a little bit up and down. I think Kyrie Jackson is the guy that, uh, that, that should scare you the most. He's, he's the best player in that Oregon secondary. So uh, let's, 
let, let's wrap up today with with our predictions. I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon wins pretty big. The the weather could get weird, could make it difficult for both offenses to move, but you know, no matter what factors at play, I like Oregon's offense more than Cal's, though I think the Bears offense is closer to Oregon's than Cal's defense is to Oregon's defense. But I, I think the Ducks offense is better than Cal's defense. I think the Ducks defense is better than Cal's offense. You know, this game last year was close for a little while. Then the Bears pulled away or then the Ducks pulled away from the Bears. I think 42 to 17 or 20 ish in that area. Yeah, it was somewhere somewhere in that final score. I forgot to double check. I think this game looks a lot like that. I think Oregon continues, you know, to play well on both sides. And I think Oregon wins 49-17 and continues the struggles of the Cal defense. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with my uh, very humble prediction of Cal 56, Oregon nothing. And I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For the record, just got to make sure. Um, yeah, I expect Oregon to, in the first quarter, I expect them to have a little bit of a lull. I expect Cal to go punch for punch with them very early in the game. But once Oregon gets their footing, I think they'll be well on their way to a victory. I think Fernando Mendoza showcases a player too that gets some Oregon fans intrigued about just who this Cal quarterback is. I think Bo Nix makes enough plays, especially on third and short, because the Cal front seven won't hold and run support. I think Bucky Irving will have a good day. I think Jordan James will have a good day. I think if Cal can attempt to take away one side, one like part of the offense for Oregon, they can. That's how they're going to have to hope for the best here. I think Oregon wins a somewhat sloppy game. I think they'll. I don't even know if they'll backdoor cover per se, but I have Oregon thirty-eight, Cal seventeen. So. Ducks, they're on a roll. They're a machine. They're looking like they're ready for the college football playoff, and they look like they're ready for a rematch with Washington. Curiously, I did ask Justin Wilcox if he had any personal feelings during the week about this matchup, considering everything that surrounds the Wilcox name when you think of the University of Oregon and now how he is as a Cal head coach. I got a non-answer from him, but I think in the back of his mind, he knows that this is a game that means a little more to him than the past, you know, lasts against some other opponents. I think Justin Wilcox is going to walk into Austin realize all that's come forth from the past until now and realize, you know, this is something special, even if the game doesn't go his way. And I get the angry press conference after it's going to be something special. I think it's going to be special for me too. I'm excited to experience Austin stadium for the first time. I'm excited to see someone who I watched in high school play for a long time in Evan Williams coming from the Bay area all the way up to Austin stadium. I think it's going to be a surreal experience, even if the game doesn't go Cal's way. And frankly, Spencer, I'm just excited, man. It's Cal's last season in the pack off to the ACC last year, next year and losing lots of our rivals. And hopefully it's, it's just another check mark for us. I don't know that I could come up with a better ending or a more optimistic one than that to the podcast. So I think we'll just, uh, you know, call it right about there. Thomas Dunn is at rightforcalifornia.com at THOD underscore 24 on Twitter. You better be rocking that Deshaun Jackson jersey at Autzen Stadium on Saturday because I got to be honest, you know, we here as Oregon fans, we love our uniforms, and those are beautiful, straight up. So wear that to Otson. Uh, enjoy the game, my man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. It's coming on the plane, all right? Don't you worry. All right, good. We're going to have a lot on our wardrobe coming up there. All right, good. I, I would expect nothing less. Thanks, man. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Enjoy the game. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow afterwards. And until then, go Ducks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.